All right, let's get right back into it. Tom Parkin, Stephen Holliday, Peter Sherman, our panel, topics worthy of discussion, just discussing the new pot rules. For what it's worth, I wanted to uh, just ask quickly around the horn how you feel about this. In Vancouver, the police department, they've been wrangling with how do we deal with the pot use of our own members? And so somebody had said, how about a 24-hour pre-shift abstinence period? Well, they nixed that, and they've decided that a better standard to apply is that the officers must arrive to work, quote, fit for duty, end quote. And I wondered if maybe that's actually the general definition of impairment. Your judgment about your comportment is way off. How do you know you're fit for duty? Aren't there people who think I'm good to drive? And the cop pulls them over. They blow three times the limit. Peter Sherman, uh, fit for duty. Is that okay with our Toronto police? It is not. Absolutely not. Because uh, it it takes uh, a form that's different in every single person because of the, the metabolism and the operation of your individual body. And 24 hours is one thing that might not even work. But here we're talking about fit for duty. You're right when you say, people say, well, I can drive. No, half the time people say, I can drive can't drive. That's number one. Uh, number two, with, with regard to pot, if you t- start taking a look at people who have the responsibility for other people's lives, uh, like an airline pilot, there are very specific rules on that that have to do with hours and, uh, and it's long hours. So uh, fit for duty, it's a very nebulous phrase. All right. And Stephen Holiday, I mean, this is something else the community may have to wrangle with. The police, transit operators... Agreed. Any industrial operation or operation that has the care and well-being of other people, and in this case, it's police officers that will be driving motor vehicles, carrying firearms, and dealing with vulnerable individuals. So it is exceptionally important that these uh, people are fit for duty and that they are not impaired by drugs or anything else. Now, I uh, do agree with not prescribing a particular window of what that means, 24 hours, because the counter-argument is is somebody that goes and smokes 24 hours before it hasn't cleared their system, and they come around and say, well, you know, I waited my 24 hours, even though it still may be in their system. I think there's still work to be done to figure out how to test for individuals that are not fit for duty and how to define that better. And maybe the best caution is, is if it's not 24 hours, wait two days, 48 hours, and uh, I think this will find an equilibrium quickly, and I, I really hope we don't ever have a situation where we have a police officer or anybody in an industrial situation that is impaired due to the use of cannabis. Well, yeah, because it's subjective, an assessment that you make on yourself that you're fit for duty, uh, and you may not be, Tom. So what do you think the standard ought to be? It is tough uh, because yes, fit for duty can look a lot of different from different places. Now, if you have, were a police officer, say, and you had... Uh, we're working with a policy that said, you know, 24 hours in advance, you're not allowed to smoke. Somebody comes to the boss, command, and says, you know what, I saw, you know, Bob last night, 12 hours ago, smoking dope. You're, you're going to be in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, I think, the only way that that kind of rule would work. I mean, how else would you know? You know nobody's going to come, oh, you know what, last night, I know I was scheduled for work this morning, but I self-fired myself for the day, uh, you know, and I'm reporting in that I broke the rule. Nobody does that. So I think there's a big challenge here. I think that uh, we don't have good tests. I mean, I know this from my own experience when I used to work in the transit industry and, and dealt with this in municipal tra- transportation. Um, you know, these are, these are not easily dealt with. Uh, and I, but I would put, say this, one tag on this, is people who are in safety-sensitive jobs, like bus drivers, police, EMS people, things like people we rely on, um, there's definitely got to be a higher standard on them than on the general population, the general worker. All right. hey, you know what, John? There's mm. no app for that. 
but there's going to be one soon. <laughs> yeah, there may well be. Yeah. Lick your iPhone, right? <laughs> to test. Yeah, that's it. Uh, or have a barcode on your tongue. You know, you just mentioned municipal transportation, Tom. Interestingly enough, on Monday, that was one of the uh, key points that was discussed in this debate. We had mayoral debate uh, pitting four of the candidates uh, vying to be mayor of Toronto. And one young lady, uh, Sarah Geber Selassie, actually uh, had an interesting proposal. She thinks that transit is a human right and should be free. Give a listen. Are you committing to free transit in the city of Toronto, I certainly am, because I know that that will take a real hit at poverty in our city and that it's absolutely possible. $3.25 is way too expensive for a lot of working class people in the city. All right, uh, let's just throw it around the horn out of curiosity. Stephen Holiday, how do you feel about that proposal? Dream on. I mean, look, we already have free transit for children under 12. They don't even have to be with a parent or guardian. We've already got a fair pass which is something that has been brought forward to help those that do have uh, uh, issues affording transit. It's $3.25, and that money goes to operating the transit. You know, anytime you create a service that's free, it becomes really difficult to manage. How do you know how many people are using the system? How do you know what the demands are? It will grow into this morphing uh, entity where it'll just be constantly adding more and more and more resources. When you charge a small amount for something, it is something that is best managed, and that is just a, a, a classic approach to any type of service, and I think that's the better way to do it. What? I will add one other thing, John, that there's always opportunity to make transit more affordable through tax breaks, and I really regret that some of the tax incentives around transit passes have been re- removed because I think that hurts transit ridership in the city, and I very much advocate to finding ways to making transit cheaper through a refund of taxes for those that are paying for the transit and using it. Let me get to Tom. I mean, because she actually was more specific. Transit is a human right, should be free. You come from a social democratic yeah, point of in, view? In theory, I would agree with her. You know, yeah, it should be free. Now, we're a long way, way, way from that now. Um because, you know, the city has budget problems. The TTC is a very expensive company to run. Uh, you know, there's a lot of equipment. A lot, a lot of people work for TTC. Uh, and so the idea of uh, picking up what's going, you know, going in the fare box, well, we've got a government in Queen's Park who, uh, you know, is going to be all about cuts, I'm sorry, but that's what's going to be happening over the next while. It's not going to be about making bus cheaper. It's going to be about making the bus more expensive to, to, to cover that cost, uh, the downloading that's, that we're, we're going to be facing. But, y- you know, here's the thing, uh, I think. I mean, Councillor Haldy, you raised the point about, you know, we don't want to see TTC grow too much because it gets too expensive. And, I'm, like, that is just wrong thinking. Like, we should not be creating barriers to people. That's a bad argument. We, sh- we should have uh, fa- fares because it stops people from using transit. No, that should not be the reason. The reason that we have fares should be to uh, ask a reasonable amount out of people to contribute to their own transportation, given all the other priorities that we have going on. Not to stop them from using. We want more people using transit. I drive out there on the highway every day. My wife takes the TTC. I would tell you, we'd both be a lot happier uh, if we had a much, much better transit system in the city. And I think a lot of other people feel well, exactly but the if same. You expanded, Very frustrated you, with these with you, the circumstances we commute in every right. day. But if you expanded, you expand the cost. And that there lies. Unless, let me ask if there's some other third type of proposal, maybe time of use pricing when it comes to the TTC. If you're, great, would great. you be good for that? Great. Any time that you have a user copay, I'm great with. Is even if it's a small amount from the user, and that Healthcare? just it, it just means schools. It Police? just means Libraries? that the service is optimized as best as it can okay. be used. 
And when you have an open door on something, it becomes a bottomless pit. And my prediction on that would be just be tax money after tax money after tax money would be used to feed the beast. We would never really understand its performance or its effectiveness. We would be constantly upgrading but not ground, downgrading components of it because people hop on and hop off. You will never really know how effective it is. And that's not true for those other services. Those are far more better defined and they are far more universally used by the entire population. So people would take the bus just because it's free? That's you what will never know who who takes the bus, where they take the bus, why they take the bus, and that's part <laughs> of the elegance of the fair system. Yeah, that's what you're saying. You couldn't really regulate that in any meaningful or practical way. Or understand way. it. The Shermanator wanted a way in in 10 <laughs> seconds or less. I wanted a way in because I'm listening to this NDP crap. Much as I like Tom Parkin, i got to tell you, nothing ain't worth nothing if it's free, number one. Number two, it is the furthest thing from a human right that I can possibly conceive of, and the NDP nonsense of imputing to a government what it's going to do because he's NDP and knows better is patently ridiculous. Well, but Peter, you know, I mean... No, no, there's no but Peter. That's what well, you did, all those three things. Let me let me respond. Because you know, uh, you know what happened last Friday with Mr. Fideli's announcement. You know what he said about uh, finding the deficit. You also know... I because, read your column too. Exactly. Okay? And, and you also know, as do I, that this was not an unknown. This was long known uh, back till till May, and well, and, and no, then we went into Tom, election no, campaign. Don't, don't cease. No, there don't, you don't go again. Like, listen. No, no I'm going to interrupt Peter, you because Peter, you're you're BSing. No, all everything I said was true. Okay, Peter. Everything I said was true. Uh, this in deficit, your mind, it's true. The no, bottom Peter, line is no, they pulled Peter, in a BC no, premier to go no. and vet things. They Peter, pulled in forensic. You're, you're not telling the truth, Peter. No, I'm not. Even you know you're not telling the truth. On May the second, there was a report from the Financial Accountability Office that exactly said restated. The the, the the financial position. This was no surprise, yet the Conservatives went into an election campaign, $8 billion worth of tax cuts for corporations and rich people. This is going to cause a big mudslide of service cuts down the line. You know what? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just simple math. All right. Well, well, so you're, so saying, just, just you're saying this is all of us precursor. rich people. Tax all of us no, rich no. people, us rich people being to you, anybody who makes over 60000 bucks a year. N- n- it's NDP no. crap, it's progressive Peter, crap, Peter, and I won't listen Peter. to it. All right, well, guys, i got to call a whole here let's come back uh, i hate to do that but uh, maybe in the interim peter you can brush off more christopherson quotes and we'll come back and nothing ain't worth nothing uh but it's free all right peter sherman stephen holiday tom parkin the hijinks continue in moments on the oakley show global news radio 640 toronto